I am so excited. <laughs> we get our new books today. It's like the first day of school. Uh, let me tell you what we're doing. Uh, those of you, I've heard so many good stories about those who went through the series, the curriculum on seeing the kingdom. Uh, what you've done in your groups, the fact that you inc included non-believers as well, that's awesome. Um, and how God has been reforming you through those smaller communities, the relational communities. And remember the whole, remember the big picture here. In order to have the mind of Christ, we literally have to rewire our brain. Because we've been taught to think through the, through the, the, the perspective of the world. But there's a whole different perspective. And so through intentional focus and, and um, deliberate practice, if we continue to go through these week by week, there will be, now listen to this, a physiological metamorphosis of your brain. God will literally create new neural pathways because that's what he does when you have a deliberate and focused intentional practice and thinking. And with that, he will teach you to see him everywhere in all things. He will teach you to hear him in all conversations. Some of you that go through devastating circumstances, every once in a while you'll come up to Becky or myself and you'll know what our family has been through and you'll say, how did you do it? Well, the fact is we didn't. God rewired our brains so that we could go first to trusting him, first to knowing that he wouldn't do anything to harm us. He only has plans for good for us. And no matter what it appears like, it doesn't take away the human emotion, doesn't take away the pain, but it gives us a perspective to see things in a totally different way. It gives us confidence and joy knowing that God is sovereign. And so if you want that kind of faith, you got to go through that kind of journey and he will remake us. Now, let me tell you what we're doing with this particular series. It starts today and you can start today. If you haven't done this before, start today. Free materials, free. They're in, they're in the lobby, they're online. Uh, we'll, we'll show you a little video uh, um, as to how to access them. Uh, if you already registered for the last one, you're pre-registered for this one, so you don't have to do anything. Uh, but, but, but let me tell you um, why this particular content. In the ancient church for Lent, Lent was a, was a season of preparation just as it is today, only it was a special season in which they would take catechumens, the, 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 the folks who were going through basic um, 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 training, um, catechism for the church, what it meant to be a Christian. And it, that was during that Lenten season. And they would teach them the basics of the faith. That's exactly what this church, that what this book does. And if you go through this, you'll see how God equips you every day for ministry. And then on Easter, they would have a great celebration as they'd take these folks into full, full membership of the, of the body of Christ. And so that's basically the steps we're retracing. Let me tell you what we're going to do today, and I'm going to do it very quickly. I want to explain to you what the gospel is. You hear that word all the time, gospel, gospel music, gospel, you know, truth. Um, that's the gospel. Um, 
um, preach the gospel. What is the gospel? I'm so glad you ask. The gospel is, is usually something that's explained in part, but not in full. There's a full gospel, and I want you to understand what it is. Um, first of all, the, the, the first part of the, of, of, of the gospel goes out like this. First, first of all, let me, let me quote from, you, from, from Mark chapter 16, verse 15, where Jesus himself said, and he said to them, go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Okay, that begs the question, doesn't it? What is it? Well, the gospel is essentially three things. And I want you to remember three prepositions, all right? First of all, the gospel is what God has done for us. And the gospel is what God is doing in us. And the gospel is what God is doing through us. For in and through. I want you to remember those three parts, all right? And now, now let's, go, let's, let's start with four, all right? And, I, and I'm going to unfold 2 Corinthians chapter 5, a portion of it, because it kind of gets us there in a roundabout way. This is 2 Corinthians 5.15. It says, He died for all so that those who might live no longer live for themselves, no longer on an ongoing basis. Now I realize some of us kind of slip back every once in a while and think of ourselves first. But that's not how we are to live in an ongoing fashion. All right? We are to live for Him, but for Him who died and rose again on their behalf. That's what Christ did for us. Most people get the first part of the gospel. Christ died on the cross to pay for your sins so that when you die, you could go to heaven. That's the simple part that they get. They, Christ died so that you could have new life. That's the simple part that they get. Now, why did he have to do that? Because we were so separated from him. We were so estranged. And, and, and all of us, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. I heard a story was about these two women uh, are sitting in this one woman's um, um, living room and, and, and they're talking and, and this, this woman's husband comes through and he's just shuffling along in his house slippers and he's unshaven and unkempt and, and, and overweight and, and his top doesn't match, match his bottom and, and, and he just goes through, goes through the thing. And the one woman turns to the other and says, you know the problem with for better or for worse? It implies that there's an equal chance for both. There's not an equal chance in this life of life automatically and naturally getting better. We live in the second law of thermodynamics, entropy. It will come unhinged. It will come undone. It will always tend toward destruction. And so therefore, Christ had to intervene on our behalf and do for us what we could not do for ourselves. Now, the reason he did that is because our level of estrangement from God is, it comes at different levels, you know. There, there are basically three levels that I just, you know, off the top of my head. Uh, one is um, indifference. The second is resentment. The third is overt enmity. A lot of people just don't, they don't, they don't have anything against God. They just want to talk, you know, they don't want to talk about it. They don't want to think about it because he doesn't just seem relevant to their lives. Second is 
They kind of resent God. If they know, if they believe there is a God, then they know enough to know they ought to be doing his will and it's not their own. He's the boss and not they're the boss. And they kind of resent that. They don't want people talking about God because it brings up kind of a, I, I just want to live my life my way. I want to be boss, all right? The third is overt enmity toward the things of God. Now, there's always a story to this third part. Because people usually don't get mad at God by themselves. Um, they've, they've, many of them have had really bad experiences with religious people in their lives. You know, Christians can be obnoxious. That, that's a probably a surprise to you. But, but we, we tend toward, obno you know, it's, it's, we, we sometimes are arrogant, which is the height of an oxymoron, an, an, an arrogant Christian. Because to be a Christian in the first place, you got to say, I'm a sinner. I got, I got nothing. You know, Christ gave it all. He did it all for me. There's nothing to be arrogant about. So, so this third part, just, just somebody once said, and I, there's a story behind this, that Gandhi said that he would have become a Christian if it hadn't been for the Christians he'd known. Let's try not to be those people. All right? Let's try to stay out of God's way enough. All right? So, so the point is this, that part of the gospel is what God has done for us. The second part is what God is doing in us. This is very important. Let me, let me continue um, um, with 2 Corinthians uh, 5, starting with verse 16. This is what it says. Therefore, from now on, we recognize no one according to the flesh. In other words, now we're, now we're getting into the spiritual realm that we were made for. You realize your, spirits, your, your spiritual people with just bodies attached. And the bodies are just kind of falling apart and pretty soon they'll go away. But we were made spiritual people. And this says, even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him in this way no longer. That is, these are my notes, not limiting our understanding to the details of his mortal life or even his sacrifice. He goes on to say, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creature. The old things passed away. Behold, new things have come. And by these new things, I mean you have resident in you, but needing to be developed, capabilities. There's a superpower that God wants you to have. And that superpower is the ability to see him in all things and hear him in all conversations. Capabilities of seeing and living beyond earthly existence. And that takes special training. That takes special training. Not too long ago, um, um, you, you all have heard of the United Negro College Fund, right? And they're, they're, they just now formed a, um, a Seminole County chapter of that. So representatives of the United Negro College Fund came and said, hey, could we get you to, to pray at our, at our inaugural fundraising event? And I said, I'd, I'd love to. I, I love the idea of helping people with their education, especially those people who sometimes struggle with, with coming up to resources because this is what they do. They give scholarships. And, and especially those folks who are come, have trouble coming up with the, with the basic resources to get the education they need. So I said, man, I'd love to. Turns out it's really a good thing I did this because the majority of recipients this year came from Northland. And so I'm really glad I agreed to do this. 
When I was there, and it was a wonderful event, and we want to, get, we want to be more and more involved, <clears throat> but when I was there, I was reminded of a quote from Daniel Borstein. Daniel Borstein is one of my favorite authors. He was the librarian of the Library of Congress for years, um, and I've been reading him for years. Daniel Borstein said, education, and I, I'm going to quote it so, so I get it right. Education is learning what you didn't even know you didn't know. Let me say that again. Education is learning what you didn't even know you didn't know. Could I say discipleship is exactly the same thing? It is forming in you what you didn't even realize was missing. Because it's not anything that man would come up with. It's what God gives you. That's why we need to be made new. We are new in Christ. We are made new in Christ. There are three levels of engagement with God. The first one is interest. You know, some, some of you are here, you're not believers yet, you're just kind of interested. Going, I, you know, I heard this church is, welcomes all people and I just kind of go and like to just see what they have to say. I, I kind of have an inclination, you know. The good news is if you have an inclination and you're in church on a day like this, it's pretty strong evidence that the Spirit's working in you, okay? Otherwise, you'd be out there. Um, so the Spirit has drawn you. But, you, you, you know, I just, I just want to, I'm kicking the tires here, trying to figure it out. The second one is actually pursuing God and eventually, hopefully, receiving what God has for you. I was, I was at, uh, on Friday, I was at a, uh, an interfaith panel at Rollins College. I think it's Rollins University these days. Is it Rollins University? Oh, it's still college. Okay. <laughs> Sam, who's a professor, says no. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, Rollins College, and, 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 and it, was, it was great because they, they had, I was, I was representative, of course, evangelical conservative Christianity. To that end, they had me at the, seated at the extreme right seat, <laughs> right uh, uh, um, position on the panel. Um, and, and, uh, and beside me was a, a Jewish person. Beside him was an atheist slash free thinking person. Beside um, uh, her was a, let me see if I can go uh, uh, through this uh, lineup again, um, a Muslim. Beside the Muslim was a um, Hindu. Well, beside the Hindu was a Buddhist, beside the Buddhist was a Sikh, beside the Sikh, oh no, no, be, be, right after the Muslim was, was a, a liberal Christian. Um, and, and so, because I'm conservative, so we're not, you know, we're same family, but different. <laughs> and, 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 and beside the Sikh, uh, a Roman Catholic uh, priest, I think from a different part. And it was wonderful, wonderful experience. Terrific people. I, I enjoyed every one of them. And I got to tell you, our community is better for every one of those communities. But I am reminded again of the difference of religions. There are not, if you go to and Google how many religions are there in the world, Wikipedia says there's about 4,000 different religions in the world, 4,000 that they can name. Could I remind you there's just two? One has to do with what you're doing for God. What you're doing to get closer to God. Your understanding of God 
It involves human effort, even non-religion. It's up to them to make the world better or not. It's all on them. The second kind of religion is what God has done for you. It emphasizes God's action and the receiving of a gift that God has given for us. There's a vast difference there. And so that part of engagement with God is very important for us because when that happens, then he creates in you what you could never have come up with, what you didn't even know you were missing, what no man can think of. And then the third one is serving. And that leads to what God does through you. And let me get to that real fast. It says, in, by the way, when, when, when Jesus talked about the gospel, it wasn't about a belief. It was about a life. It was about a different life, a whole new life. This is what it says in John 10, 10. It says, the thief comes only to kill, to steal and to kill and destroy. He's talking about the enemy, our enemy, the devil. He's gotten to a lot of us. No, he's gotten to all of us. We've seen evidences of him in our life. But he says, in contrast, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. Now, he's not talking about just wants everybody to be rich, although he doesn't have anything against you if you're rich. That's fine. But he's talking about there's a whole kind of abundance that is more important than worldly wealth. That all of us would have, that he would have, want all of us to have. And so let me go to the third one. The third one is what God is doing through us. This is what it says in 2 Corinthians 5, 18 through 20. Now all these things are from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Here's my notes. When heaven and earth makes more sense together. Namely, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. Another reconciling, when we say, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven, it means earth is supposed to complete heaven and heaven is supposed to fulfill earth. We're supposed to be reconciled together. And then it says this, not counting their trespasses against them, he has committed to us the word of reconciliation and, and, and the work. Therefore, we are ambassadors. We are his official representatives for Christ, as though God were making an appeal through us. Indeed, he is. And that's the third part of the gospel, what God is doing through us. We beg on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. When I watch you, when I hear about what you're doing, I know the difference you're making. And I'm so inspired with so many of your lives. And I hear about them quite regularly. I see them. I see them in a collective fashion. Let me just give you the last 48 hours of, of Northland. Friday night, we gathered, hundreds of you volunteered in order to put on a, a, a daddy-daughter dance. 2,500 daddies and daughters came. It's one of the cutest things you've ever seen. But it's also one of the most deeply meaningful things because there is a level of respect that a daughter can only gain from a dad 
or, or from, there's, there's an opposite sex parent blessing that only they can give to a child. And, and I know some feminists would be mad at this, but I got to tell you, when a father te- treats his daughter with respect and reverence and says to her, this is what you deserve, this is how you should choose those who you're around, you deserve respect, you deserve, there's an empowerment there that is so powerful. You're a child of God, you deserve this kind of of, of worth that's attributed in my behavior. I want to teach you how a boy should treat a girl, how a man should treat a woman. It's powerful. And, 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 and I don't want to, I don't want to, I mean, that was 10 minutes of the night. The rest was give me some cotton candy and paint my face, you know? And it was, it was fun. It was fun. By the way, that brings up, when I was praying through the sanctuary, I was praying through the sanctuary. We have some remnants of the daddy-daughter dance in that Especially in this section, and I think this section back here, there's a lot of glitter. You know, these, these little girls love to wear glitter. So if you get up, you might check yourself. You could have a shiny hiney. <laughs> and I want to thank you ahead of time. As a matter of fact, everybody, before they leave, just do this in their seats. Because <laughs> you'll, you'll save the janitors a lot of work, and we appreciate that. But it was awesome, because... because that was God's love. That was God's love. And then I came, I came back Saturday morning. The whole thing had been cleaned up. You, you volunteers must have stayed till midnight. I'm, I'm, it was just unbelievable. But Saturday morning, as Pete said, several hundred of us went into the community. It was awesome. Into so many different spots in the community just to serve. It was a gorgeous morning. And I'm thinking the same thing I'm thinking this morning. What are they doing? What are they doing? Well, I know what you're doing. Service is simply worship with skin on. Service is simply love in action. That's what you were doing. That wasn't about you. That was about what God's doing in you. And God wants to do through you. And then last night, oh man, this always just takes my breath away. Last night, we had the joy prom. And for those of you who don't know what that is, Therefore, our church family with special needs, the people who probably most likely never got invited to a prom, and they dress up, and the boys have suits and boutonnieres, and the the girls have, have, and, and these are all ages. I mean, they come so decked out. 125 guests, 500 volunteers to make sure that they have a wonderful experience, that they dance, that they have escorts that, that, that treat them well. They get introduced. I mean, this is like a Hollywood, this is like the Oscars. They have a runway. They're introduced by Pastor Vernon. I'd like to be introduced by Pastor Vernon for crying out loud. <laughs> You know, and, 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 and Mr. Robert, and, they're, and, they're, and they introduced over the microphone, hundreds of people cheering for them. Why? It's the love of God. It's the love of God who says, you are worth every bit as much to me. I love you. You should be respected. You should be treated in a dignified manner. 
It was more than that. They went in and had candy candy. And, but that's, that's the church. That's who you are. That's who God is through you. But it's not just in organized, organized activities. Every one of you will go from this place into your regular daily life. Why? Because God wants to love like that through you. No matter where you go, you're an ambassador of Christ. And that is part of the gospel. He's not done when he makes sure you can go to heaven. He's not done when he makes sure that we're beginning to see things like he sees things. Having his capacities, having his capabilities, he's not done until someone else senses him through you. So living the gospel, what is it? Let me do it real quickly. Living the gospel, I got to hurry, I'm, I'm running behind. Living the gospel is receiving the gift of salvation, living Jesus in your everyday life with other Christians who will help you grow in his life. Now, could I do this again with, with my notes? Here's my notes. Receiving the gift of salvation in traditional Christian terms, that's getting saved. When you receive the gift of salvation, it's getting saved. In theological terms, in, the, in seminary, it's called justification. You are justified. You can remember that word because it's justified, never sinned. Justified, never sinned. All of your sins are gone because Jesus has taken both their punishment and their power from your life. It takes, a, it takes this second part to, to make that power go away. But the second part says, living Jesus in your everyday life, that's called becoming holy. That's called God becoming more and more your first nature. That's called, in theological terms, sanctification. Sanctification. With other Christians, you can't do this by yourself, you will trail off. You can only do it when you're supported by other Christians who will help you grow in his life. And that's called the church. We call it the church distributed, whatever you call it. That's just having other Christians around you. You remember what Jesus said, where two or three are gathered together. In my name, there I am in their midst. That's the church. You don't need a building. I mean... This is doing a lot to equip people to live the church out in their everyday life, but that's the church. And so I want you to know that's the gospel, what God has done for us, what God is doing in us, and what God wants to do through us. Now, we have an important message from the elders, and if you don't listen, I, don't, I get fired, so you got to listen. But let me pray before Bill Wolf comes up. Lord, thank you. Thank you for the gospel that not only saves us for heaven, but saves us in earth for the existence of living to, to ourselves, for the existence instead of living to serve and love as you have served and loved us. We thank you. Make us those people through our intentional focus and our deliberate practice. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.